today on the Daily Gator Daily Thought. We got a lot to get to. We have a community college that's going to pay out big money to a professor whose test questions offended a Muslim student. Vanderbilt student there running for student government is accused of racism because they attended a North-South event three years ago. How about Northern Iowa? We can take a look at their new online program based in critical race theory. Fun, fun there. And did you know math was racist? That's what some jackasses in California are saying, and they want it canceled in public schools. Because black children shouldn't be able to add or subtract, apparently. And welcome, my friends. This is, again, Doug Hagen. This is the third time I'm recording this show. I've had some issues with, uh, I'm not sure what it is, but let's hope this one goes smoothly because the vocal cords are kind of suffering right now. Let's start off at Vanderbilt University. A Jewish student at that uh, prestigious university says that he was targeted by his peers after a campus newspaper spread unsubstantiated claims linking him to white supremacists. Uh, Jordan Gould, or is it Gold, I'm sorry, was running for student government president when the Vanderbilt Hustler, Vanderbilt has a student newspaper named after a porn magazine? Really? How smutty of them. Uh, They published a story equating his attendance to a 2018 Greek life party titled North-South Week, with members in a white power hate group. If you understand, there are actually groups that are that, that believe in white supremacy. They're called uh, trailer trash. But the fact is, a lot of thing, a lot of times today, the left just smears any white person that they disagree with on anything, becomes a white supremacist or, or white white bigot or whatever, or a Klan's member. <clears throat> uh, the fact is that the the accusations of white supremacy have really been cheapened by the uh, by the left. It's it's truly sad to watch. It is uh, the story. Gold said derailed his campaign and made him the target of vulgar tweets condemning him as a yes racist, according to an email obtained by the Vanderbilt Hustler. The event is dubbed North South Week because the Sigma Chi fraternity is historically divided among Southerners and Northerners. Okay, sounds like they're kind of diverse. I mean, Southern people trying to put up with that Yankee accent and the fast talking and the always being in a hurry and not knowing how to properly prepare things like cornbread, barbecue, and greens. And, you know, that, that can be tough to put up with sometimes. Plus, you got to deal with the fact that they go to the beach in dress shorts black socks up to the knees and dress shoes and complain about the heat. Oh, those Yankees. They're fun sometimes. 
Sigma Chi did stop hosting the North-South Week after the 2018 event. An Instagram account devoted to indie Greek life at Vanderbilt claimed, based on a single anonymous testimony, that students shouted, The South will rise again during a game of beer pong, among other allegations. I want to break some news to you, you snowflake bastards. If you have a fraternity that's kind of got the North-South thing going, a little rivalry there, someone may shout something like that, especially while playing beer pong, because it's kind of a kind of a joke, you know, just like someone from the Northern side might call you a hillbilly or something or accuse, uh, you know, accuse you of, of marrying and dating your cousin. It's just kind of good-natured fun. Anybody who takes offense at that has the problem. Okay, they're the one with bigotry in their heart and on their brain, not the people shouting these innocuous things. I mean, this is this is something that really bothers me. You know, these these are people who would go into the locker room of a gym or a sports team, whatever, and hear the guys giving each other, you know, giving each other crap, ribbing each other, saying some pretty tough things to each other, and become all offended and butt hurt. You just don't know if that's just the way it is. I've worked with some people and had so much fun just going at each other. Just going at each other. It's hilarious. I used to work with a bartender named Sebastian. Good guy. Really good guy. Hard worker. Uh, one of the best bartenders I've ever trained. But but he and I used to go, go at it. It was hilarious. I mean, you know, I'd, he'd walk in. I'd say, you're black. I am. He'd say, but you're white. I said, no, stop it. And we would just have fun like that. No one got offended. No one went to a corner and cried. No one screamed racism or white supremacy. You know why? Because he and I were adults having fun at work, friends teasing each other, coworkers jabbing at each other. These people in these colleges, these snowflakes, they have no testicles, no brain, no spine, no anything, no substance. Uh, but let's get back to this story here. Gould told the hustler that the event was not racist. The racism that existed, he says, is limited to the name of the event. What is it? Hold on, stop. I'm sick of these people who get accused of things. You try to stick up for them. You try to set the record straight, and you find out that they have no balls, basically. They're just looking to, who, who do I surrender to? Whose ass do I kiss to get out of this mess that other people caused? What is racist about the name North-South? Is, is the direction North racist? The direction south, is that racist? Is it okay to say southwest, southeast, northwest? Are any of those okay? Seriously, should we cancel the blue-gray blue gray college football game forever? Because, oh my God. Seriously, grow up. But he said, again, the racism that existed is limited to the name of the event and dividing of teams based on cardinal directions. Oh my God. Now if you reference what part of the country you're from, you're a racist. Stop it. Use the brain that God gave you. Uh, the allegations about the event in the AGL post, including the presence of a con- oh no, not a Confederate flag. Oh God, no, not that. How will we ever survive? This guy needs a Kotex and Kleenex. Chance of the South will rise again. That the event was a long-standing tradition, or that any member chose a side based on support are completely inaccurate or false. You know, I know Charlie Daniels, may he rest in peace, wrote a song, one of my favorite songs of all time, South's Gonna Do It Again. 
Was Charlie Daniels a racist? I mean, he referenced the South. He had a lot of pride in being a Southerner, as do a lot of people. And I'm sick of getting browbeaten. You can't talk that. You can't have a Southern accent. People make fun of you. It's it's pathetic. And the race baiters keep keep raising those little stinks over nothing. And we let them. Gold, or Gould, I'm sorry, apologized to the members of the opposing ticket, both of whom are African-American females, for his participation in that event. You might as well apologize for stopping for a Slurpee at a 7-Eleven. Because that's about as, in, as innocuous as that party sounds, frankly. Reflecting on the ordeal one week after the election, Gould shared his story on Medium in an essay titled, When Social Justice, When the Social Justice Mob Came for Me. Buddy, it sounded like you were ready to surrender. Sounds like you just threw your hands up and say, Oh my God, no, stop. Gould reflected on his upbringing as a middle class Jewish American and has worked to help low income and first generation students as a member of the student government's. Economic Inclusivity Committee. He described how the student government president race, uh, president's race changed after the hustler dis, uh, discussed his fraternity involvement. He was getting harassed. He was getting mean tweets. He was getting group messages. People were telling him to go to hell. Look, I'm, I'm trying to defend you for being a victim. But you played right into being a victim's hands. That's who you played in the hands of. The victim pimps. The race pimps. You, you know what? I shouldn't even have... I should have read the whole thing first instead of the first half of it. If I don't know what an absolute loser this guy was and a, an absolutely noodle-spined weenie he was, I wouldn't even have bothered because I'm sick of defending people who can't stop surrendering at the first sign that someone may call them a bad name. I hope one day you grow some testicles, Mr. Gould. You need them desperately. How about uh, how about this story? You thought that one made me angry. There is a report that a community college is going to pay six figures in a settlement to a professor because his test question Offended a Muslim student. Oh no, not that. Uh, Ben's Eyes Loft at Campus Forum has this story. Scottsdale Community College is going to pay $150,000 to settle a lawsuit from a professor who was accused of anti-Muslim bias. The college was accused of prematurely criticizing political science professor uh, Nicholas Damask for including three quiz questions about Islamic extremism on a quiz. What ask? Uh, one of the questions was, where is terrorism encouraged in Islam, Islamic doctrine and law? The correct answer was the Medina verses, which is in the Quran. Student Muhammad Sabra. Sabra, isn't that, uh, isn't that hummus, Sabra? Well, anyway, I kind of like hummus. It's some good stuff. Even though it's made with chickpeas, which sounds really disgusting. Uh, but Mohammed Sabra, who is Muslim, complained, alleging that Damascus exam forced him to either disavow his religion or be punished by getting the answers wrong in the quiz. Well, you should have just given the answer you wanted to. You should have stood on your principles. And you should have debated the professor. Again, grow a set. According to a lawsuit filed by the Council on American Islamic Relations, also known as CARE, against Scottsdale Community College and Damascus last June. The case was dismissed. Shit canned, 86, thrown out. 
two months later by Judge Susan Brnovich. Brnovich, maybe it is. You know, when you got a, a name eight letters long and there's one vowel in it, it's kind of tough. It's like trying to call a hockey game, for God's sakes. Who ruled that Saber was not asked to disavow his religion, but was exposed to attitudes and outlooks at odds with his own religious perspective? In other words, Mr. Sabra, grow a set. But news of the episode had already sparked a wildfire. A wildfire with no Smokey the Bear to put it out. Of criticism of Scottsdale Community College on social media, prompting it to denounce Damask on May the 1st of last year and pressure him into signing an apology letter. According to the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, also known as FIRE, School officials reversed their position after the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, sent a letter to Scottsdale Community College in the Maricopa County uh, Community College District Interim Chancellor Stephen Gonzalez. He apologized for the uneven manner in which it was handled and our, full, and our lack of full consideration for our professor's right of academic freedom, according to AZ Central. So now they got to pay the, the professor 150000 Good. You know, a student ought to be able to answer a question at a college exam if it makes them a little uncomfortable. They think, look, I remember challenging a professor in college about something. And you know what? He talked to me after class, and he said, I appreciate that you challenged. He was a very liberal guy. He was actually liberal. He actually could think, had an open mind. He said, I really appreciate you challenging me. I, I, I've never looked at it that way. He was telling me, he was telling the class actually, about a certain Indian, Native American Indian, American Indian, whatever, tribe that uh, if there was a child there running a race like a game with an adult, the adult would let the child win sometimes or let them make it close sometimes. Uh to encourage the child and he, he made the remark can you imagine white people doing that and i said you know yeah pretty much every older cousin i had every did it for me and my other cousins that were my age and i did it for younger cousins my little sister her, her little friends it happens all the time and he actually had a conversation with me about it imagine that it's called dialogue it's a wonderful thing. Uh, some people should try it sometimes. Now then there's the city of Chicago, which has really bad problems with crime, basically because it's been run by corrupt Democrats for a long time, and they don't really give a shit about crime. Excuse my French. I should not use that word. I apologize. But Mayor Lori Lightfoot, <clears throat> who I affectionately call Mayor Beetlejuice, Google her, look at a picture. You'll know why. Pardon me, but she has now refused to talk, do interviews with white, especially white male reporters. And one reporter who is actually not white, is a male, but is Hispanic, said, you know what? I don't interview you anymore. You don't get to pick who you, who you, what member of the press you talk to. And good for him. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot has announced she won't be talking to whitey reporters. That's for the right scoop. Very snarky of them, and I appreciate snarkdom. And will only speak to black and brown members of the media. You know, I, I can't help but think that referring to people who are Hispanic or black, African American if they prefer, whatever, I imagine they probably don't 
I can't see how they can enjoy being called black or brown people. You're just your color. You're nothing else. What a nasty thing to say. If you really think about it, that's 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 as racist as saying any certain ethnic or racial slur, isn't it? Judging people and deeming their worth solely by their skin color. I'm surprised Mary, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, and she sounds kind of like Bull Connor or the old George Wallace before he changed his ways late in life. Seriously, that's what you sound like, Lightfoot, a damned racist. Maybe you are, or maybe you're just a politician that has no clue what the hell she's doing and is trying to get some heat off you for something else. Blaming it on white reporters, especially white male. Obviously a public official. Canceling a whole segment of reporters for any excuse is scandalous because it's just a way to avoid accountability, according to the right scoop. And yes, that's absolutely right. She's deliberately limiting her interactions with the media, and she's had many scandals which the press would theoretically want to ask her about. So it's uh, really for her it's CYA, and you know what that means. If you don't look it up, hippie. Well, one reporter, he ain't having it. As a member of the black and brown demographic, uh, Lightfoot said she'll work with them. You're black, you're brown, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're brown enough, I guess. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk to you. But Gregory Pratt, like I said, he's just not putting up with this garbage. He says, I am a Latino reporter. This is via Twitter. I am a Latino reporter at the Chicago Tribune whose interview was request was granted for today. However... I asked the mayor's office to lift its condition on others. And when they said no, we respectfully canceled. Politicians don't get to choose who covers them. What else we got with this? An anchor with WGN in Chicago supported Pratt's stand. Dan Ponce uh, from WGN in Chicago all journalists should be united on this. No politician should ever be allowed to choose who does the interview, especially based on the race of the reporter. It is disgraceful. It is ass-backwards. It's deeply demented, and it's racist. And those are the good parts of it. And hell actually may have frozen over people, because you know what? Actually, even a Washington Compost reporter supported this. Paul Fade again via Twitter. Fact is, elected officials, candidates, celebrities, athletes, etc. choose who they want to interview them all the time. They just don't do so based on the basis of race or gender. At least they don't admit they do. Well, apparently Lightfoot isn't, uh, isn't doing well in the public perception world. And she shouldn't. This is disgraceful. And you know what? If she was white and said the, said the opposite, she'd be fired right now. There would be so much There'd be 24-hour coverage on CNN, MSNBS, and the rest of the left-wing media. They'd be calling for her resignation immediately. But since she just basically told white men to go get stuffed, white reporters anyway. Now let's go to California. Rick Moran at Pajamas Media has an interesting story about uh, the teaching of mathematics. You know, arithmetic, adding, subtracting, that kind of crazy stuff. The teaching of mathematics is part of the white supremacist culture and must be purged of all racist influences, says the... Take a while, guess who it was. Go ahead, I'll give you time. I don't have any Jeopardy music to play, I'm sorry. You're probably wrong. But if you guessed California School Board, ding, 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 you'd be right. 
what kind of racist influences? To begin with, there is no right or wrong answer in math. Really? Doesn't that kind of go against the very substance of what math is? Again, this is the left today. They deny that people with, you know, a hairy chest and, and muscles and a penis are men if they say they're a woman. They, they overlook women's breasts and say, no, she says she's a man, damn it, she's a man. I don't care about those boobs. To begin with, no right or wrong answer in math. Oh, God, it's painful. <laughs> I just don't get it. How can you look anyone else in the face and say, yes, 8 plus 8 is 16, but it's not necessarily 16. Not if, I guess, if you feel racially oppressed or something, but because 8 plus 8 is 16, maybe that's it. I don't get it. And any answer is equally valid. So if you, if you have a test, I guess that's how it works. Have a test in math, basic, uh, basic adding, subtracting. And one of the questions, one of the problems to solve is 79 minus 17 is, and all the students put down 62. But two students put down, one puts down 47 and one puts down, I don't know, 312. No, 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 no. You can't mark those students wrong on those answers. Can't deduct points from their score. You've got to say it's subjective. Maybe they feel that. Those answers are correct. Princeton professor, Sergei Kleinerman, he likens the woke culture to a soft kind of Marxism that enforces its ideology not by jailing dissenters or physically eliminating them, but by social shaming, mob punishment, guilt by association, and coerced speech. Uh, he kind of knows what he's talking about, doesn't it? Sounds to me like it does. He is actually a professor of math which probably makes him a racist, but he's angry, which of course makes him an angry and sensitive racist. The idea, he says, that focusing on getting the right answer is now considered among some self-described progressives a form of bias or racism is offensive and extraordinarily dangerous, at the least. The entire study of mathematics is based on clearly formulated definitions and statements of fact. If this were not so, bridges would collapse, planes would fall from the sky, and bank transactions would be impossible. Maybe that's what the Marxists want. So it, it's still, it is beyond my ability to wrap my brain around the idea that anybody would believe math is racist or has anything to do with white supremacy. I mean, the new curriculum will be based on a document titled Dismantling Racism in Mathematics Instruction. Uh, the Wall Street Journal points out it is shock full of little woke tidbits like that. This manual claims that teachers addressing students' mistakes forthrightly is a form of white supremacy. It sets forth indicators of white supremacy culture in the mathematics classroom, including a focus on getting the right answer, teaching math in a linear fashion, requiring students to show their work and grading them on demonstrated knowledge of the subject matter, the concept of mathematics being purely objective is unequivocally false, the manual explains. Upholding the idea that there are always right and wrong answers perpetuates objectivity. Apparently, it's also racist. Now, to be objective is, is a lot of times a good thing. But some things aren't objective. Five times five is 25. You can call me racist. You can call me subjective. You can call me any name in a book. But five times five is always going to be 25. 
Period. End of discussion. That's not racist. That's education. But apparently they prefer students to be ignorant and angry and bitter than to be educated. Let's see if these kids grow up and try to balance a checkbook. I can see, you know, when they get, get bank accounts. Oh, no, my, uh, I couldn't be overdrawn. I had $500 this morning. I spent 200 at the grocery store. I paid my electric bill for 100 I paid the phone bill 50 I went out to eat, and I only spent $788. I can't be overdrawn. Again, you be a bank executive and try to argue with that type of idiocy. Uh, the framework also rejects preparing students to take Algebra 1 in 8th grade. I did. Algebra 1 was very easy. Uh, goal reformers uh, have sought since the 90s. Students in Singapore, South Korea, and Taiwan master introductory algebra in the 8th grade or even earlier. Well, those countries are all racist and backwards. Probably full of white people. Yeah, that's where all the white supremacists come from. You know, South Korea, Taiwan, and Singapore. At one time, California itself took that goal seriously and made immense progress. California Department of Education data show that while only 16% of students took algebra by 8th grade in 1999, by 2013, 67% were doing so. Success rates, meaning the percentage of students scoring proficient or above, kept rising, even as enrollment excuse me, increased dramatically. And you know who the biggest beneficiaries were? Ethnic minority and low-income students. While student success tripled overall, African-American student success rate, a rate jumped by a factor of five. Five. And Latinos, low-income students by a factor of six. How about that for some racist math, you wokers? These people are sick. They don't care who they hurt. They don't care who they damage. They don't care how many lives they ruin. They're just twisted in their obsession with absolutely destroying every fabric, every last piece of fabric of this country. It's uh, disgusting, despicable, and a lot of other words. And how about finally, the University of Northern Iowa, they have a new online program based in CRT. What is CRT, you ask? Why, it's critical race theory. It's all the rage these days. All the kids are learning it. And, uh, a program endorses the work of Ibram X. Kendi and solicited donations for anti-racism project, anti-racism projects. Kendi is a very, very, very radical Marxist who uh, who has rejected reality a long time ago. But there is a six-week virtual program titled "Cultivating Justice: A Quest Toward Racial Equity," and it prompts individuals and small groups to reflect on a collection of local materials curated to promote racial justice and activate systemic change in our communities. Sounds like to me, those words that they put together, local materials, curating, promoting racial justice, activating systemic change. You know what that sounds like to me? What it really is? Blah, 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 bullshit, blah, 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 blah. It sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. If you slow her down, that's probably why she doesn't make any sense. She's been trying to teach these kids at the Charlie Brown, the Peanuts Gang, critical race theory. Uh, the project's webpage notes that systemic racism can also occur in everyday technology, even automatic soap dispensers. Damn it, I knew it. I knew it. 
I need a, a soap dispenser that I was in a public restroom, and damn it, they were out of soap. Clearly, it's racism. Clearly, anti-male, anti-hetero, anti-white, anti-Southern, anti-American, anti-capitalist racism to the core. No justice, no soap. Uh, the project's first week included stories of discrimination faced by members of the campus community. For instance, a podcast. Oh, not the podcast. From one alumnus described the, the dissonance of existing in the space between his Ghanaian ancestral roots and his Americanized speech. What the f- actual, not going to say it. Is he even saying? Was he stoned when he when he said this? Because that might give someone an excuse for saying something so abjectly stupid. But he put a bunch of big words together. He used dissonance and spaces between Ghanaian ancestral roots and Americanized speech. Yeah, man. Hey, can we pass the joint back over here, man? Uh, the the uh, materials also contain a link to a resource on white splaining. And how to avoid it. It's really sad, folks. The second week featured a video by a sophomore student who defines terms like white trash and good white people. Yep. You know what I think that student should do? I think they should go up to a lot of white people and call them white trash. See how many times you get busted in the mouth. Of course, then you could you could lie and say that they were all racist while you're picking your teeth up. When I say good white people, typically... What I mean is a white liberal. When I mention liberal, I'm typically referring to someone who sees themselves as wanting to end racism in the United States and somebody who is not really responsible for the lingering racism within our society today, he says. Though he notes that good white people exist on both sides of the aisle, he says they are typically people who are progressive individuals or who see themselves as progressive individuals and want to see the country moving in a more positive direction in reference to race and equality. Again, translated, blah, 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 blah. Wait, yeah, that's enough blahs. The third week pointed students toward resources that explain systems of oppression within policing, health care, and education. The fourth week of the program encouraged participants to locate and organize their efforts in tandem with nearby justice movements. Among the dozen outlets for activism included Uprising Magazine. I've got a subscription of that one. You should see their centerfolds. A student-led publication which features dedicated efforts toward enacting social justice through sharing stories and engaging in causes on campuses. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. Likewise, the fifth week in which participants were taught how to behave in accordance with anti-racism pointed students toward ways to involve themselves in activism work. One project, the anti-racism, anti-racism daily newsletter, their crossword puzzles, really, really tough, was paired with a call for donations to the author's website. Oh, oh that's capitalism. What are you doing making money? Because you wrote something. Because you were on our website. You want donations, you damn capitalist pig. See? It's all a white supremacist trap to make you all into capitalists. You must resist. The sixth and final week of the program granted students the chance to rest and heal. And a call that has become increasingly common on American college campuses. We believe rest is a form of 
resistance and name sleep deprivation as a racial and social justice issue. Good freaking grief. There is no end to the insanity these people spew out. There really isn't. The University of Northern Iowa spokesman uh, Stephen Shemadecki told Campus Forum that the initiative was a voluntary community project organized by a UNI professor. It was not a class or course. He added that the cost of this project's uh, this project, the cost rather, were minimal, since they highlighted a number of existing works, videos, podcasts, and other writings on the topic of racial equality. Blah 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 blah. This kind of garbage doesn't educate anybody, folks. It doesn't help anybody in any meaningful way. It certainly talking about it didn't help me pronounce this guy's last name. Again, that many consonants in one last name. Stop it, damn Eastern Europeans. It's it's absolutely mind-numbing, which is, I think, what it's intended to be. Mind-numb robots. That's what we're dealing with now. And this is what you pay tens of thousands of dollars a year to go to college for. You remember the expression, garbage in, garbage out? Well, guess what? Their brains, through their ears and their eyes, are getting garbage in repeatedly. So what do you expect when they graduate from college with a degree in intersexual femininity and trees or something? What do you expect? I mean, what do they have degrees in now? Yes, I I majored in otter sexuality and how it impacts with nature. Or how to brush a shark's teeth with, with racism as a backdrop. Idiocy. Absolute, absolute idiocy. What, what, what's next? Oh, I specialize in turd polishing. <laughs> you have to laugh or you'd cry, my friends. You would have to laugh or you would cry. And people, again, are going into massive debt levels to, to get these degrees, which absolutely have no value whatsoever. None. They don't, it's not that they don't teach you anything useful. You start at a certain IQ level, you take these courses, you actually degrade. Your IQ drops. If you walked in with an IQ of 137, which is, I guess is pretty good, not as high as mine, but okay, you would actually lose 20, 25 points in four years probably, maybe more. It's, it, uh, I just don't get it. Gotta say, my friends, I don't get it. And now for a quick top five, which I've kept putting off. Top five, my favorite top five founding fathers. This should trigger the little little people in their critical race theory classes. How about George Mason at number five? Brilliant man. Uh, if you read the Declaration of Independence, remember Jefferson wrote that, but George Mason wrote the, uh, the Virginian's Declaration of, of Rights, I believe it was, and you can read that. It's very similar to the Declaration of Independence. So many brilliant things the man said about slavery, condemning slavery, exposing slavery for, slavery for what it was. And, of course, the, the, the contradiction is that he owned slaves, but you could tell with people like him he wanted to end it. It wasn't as easy as just ending it back then. But Mason has a lot of brilliant quotes, really nailing slavery for being an institutional evil. And he didn't actually sign uh, the Constitution to be ratified. He was uh, known as a sec- father of the Second Amendment. There's a college named after him. I'm sure they'll try to cancel it soon. Uh, but really one of my favorite founders. And uh, simply a highly, highly intelligent man. And a big influence on uh, some of the other founders. Which really I think all these guys <laughs> influence everyone else. 
Number four. How can number one be number four? Obviously, we know who the first president was. George Washington. As a general, he won our independence militarily. He became the first president. And I think he's really important. It's important to remember that he could have been a king, emperor, czar. You name it. He could have named what type of dictator he was. But he didn't. He held ultimate power given to him by the people. And he rejected it after eight years and said, it's time for someone else. He set the standard. He set the standard. And, and there are never enough thinks that you can give for that type of leadership. Number four. Number four is, uh, is Washington. Number three would have to be Ben Franklin. Uh, my favorite quote from Franklin. Beer is proof that God loves us. Uh, the key, the kite, electricity. He was such a wise man. And always his brain like all these gentlemen's brains, must have been absolutely incredible, the wisdom they all possessed. And he was elderly. I wonder if he was if he was younger, would he have been president at some point? I don't know. Uh, I think he'd have made a hell of a Supreme Court justice. I wish the hell we had him on there today. I wish we had all five of the men I want to name on the Supreme Court today. Then, after Franklin, you got to have number two. Like Washington, he's also on uh, Mount Rushmore. Old TJ, Thomas Jefferson. So many contradictions in this man. Brilliant, brilliant man. President Kennedy was showing some foreign dignitaries a room in the White House, a dining room. And I guess they were having dinner. And and uh, he said, you know, he looked around the table at all the impressive people that were there. He said, you know, there hasn't been this much brain power in this room and, um, since Jefferson dined alone. Absolutely brilliant, man. And third president, look at the Louisiana Purchase, look at writing the Declaration of Independence, clearly one of the icons of this country. But he's not number one. The man who is and who should be on Mount Rushmore, how he's not, I don't know. I mean, this country, or this country's foundation is the Constitution, is it not? Our principles are laid out there. We have natural rights that come from God. This country doesn't doesn't set those rights or grant those rights. It protects those rights. It honors, recognizes, and protects those rights. So how can James Madison, our fourth president, father the Constitution, not be on Mount Rushmore? We can kick Teddy Roosevelt off there anytime. I'm happy with it. He was kind of a progressive. Uh, there's a lot to admire about Teddy Roosevelt, but uh, I don't think he's fit to be there, frankly. And not because I want to cancel him. Because if there's only four spots, he didn't deserve one. Thomas Jefferson, Washington, they deserve theirs, obviously. And then uh, James Madison should be one of the other two. And I'll reserve judgment on Lincoln. I don't know who the fourth guy would be but Lincoln. That'd, that'd be a tough choice. I just don't know. I know. How about Donald J. Trump? Can you imagine the leftists would go absolutely... But somebody should do that. The next Republican... It, Thank please God let a conservative win the White House in 2024 to replace President Mumbles and his disaster tour. But imagine we get a Republican and the left is angry. Oh, they're angry. They're screaming the election was stolen. The media will not condemn them at all because it's all subjective to the media. Imagine them saying they're going to issue an executive order that we're going to have a special edition to Mount Rushmore. It's going to be Donald J. Trump. Can you imagine 
MSNBS, CNN, they would absolutely be jumping off the top of a building. It would be so funny to watch them absolutely freak the you-know-what out. But probably won't happen. <clears throat> Folks, there's my, there are my five favorite founders. No disrespect to, to so many, so much greatness on all those men who risk everything. And a lot of them lost everything fighting for independence. Never forget that. And yes, Patrick Henry would be number six. Somebody asked me about that the other day. And I said, eh, he'd be six. And seventh, I don't know. I haven't, haven't thought about it that much. But it wouldn't be Alexander Hamilton, I'll tell you that. We're still fighting the Hamiltonian, Jeffersonian argument in America. Really the first first big argument as far as ideology, and it's still with us. We don't call it Hamiltonian and Jeffersonian anymore, but I'm definitely a Jeffersonian kind of guy. Thank you for listening. If you wish to contribute to the Daily Gator, DailyThought.com, uh, or excuse me, the podcast, or the DailyGator.com, the blog, please just click on the PayPal button, first post on the delegator.com. Or if you wish, you can go to Anchor, enter Doug Hagen, and you will find my page with my, this will be the 52nd uh, episode, and you can contribute there if you choose. If you can't or don't want to, that's fine. Nothing but love from me. And remember, the three most important rules of life. Yes, if you're left... You're never right, and you can't be right, because you just ain't right. God bless America, the greatest country ever brought forth on this planet. And yes, yes, go Gators. And until for a couple more months, go Lightning. Let's win another Stanley Cup from our hometown of Tampa Bay. God bless, my friends. We'll talk to you very soon. Voice willing, thank you. I do appreciate it. Y'all take care, and stay out of trouble, you knuckleheads.